can take your seats. I would encourage you to open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. If you're visiting with us this morning, you need to know that this book is our life. This book is our authority. This book is our truth. This book is our hope. This book shows to us the Lord Jesus Christ who is all of these things and we come to Him week in and week out and we open His Word and we ask Him to transform us. Transformation. That is what we're going to be looking at this morning. I have the joy and privilege this morning to launch for us a new series in God's Word. And of course, Pastor Ian, he's going to continue to uh, preach and lead us through the book of Acts, but intermittently, we're going to, from time to time, pull over and we're going to look at, at this new topic that you see on the screen behind me, transformed, learning to think biblically. And uh, I hope that gets your attention. I hope that excites you. I hope that, that grabs you this morning. And, and maybe uh, what I want to do, just by way of introduction, is... is offer for you an, an alternate subtitle in, in tribute in honor to our 17th and 18th century Puritan friends. If, if I was a few hundred years removed or, or in the past, I might introduce the series like this, A Study of the Christian Mind Pertaining to Its Never-Ending Need for Sharpening, Growth, and Reconstruction in light of the persisting pressures of the unbelieving society among which we live and the alternative desire for us to think and so live in such a way as to please the Lord. I don't know why Mark said we couldn't put that up on the screen. <laughs> thought that was a good title. <laughs> you know, back then, you know, they would put like half of a page and that would be their title for their books or, or for their messages. And, and uh, I just thought, you know, as I was sitting at my desk this week, we want to unpack, what, what do we mean by this? What do we mean that we want to learn to think biblically? Some of you might be thinking, well, I, I already think biblically. Don't, don't we already think biblically as a church? What, what do we mean learning? Some of you might see this word think up there on the screen and, and you think, well, I, I think all week at work, I, I think at school. I, I just, I didn't think that I had to Use my, my mind, my intellect, when it came to my religion. That's a fallacy, and we're going to see this morning why that is just not what God has planned for us. How we think matters tremendously to God. And it unmistakably matters and, and affects how we live. And so, we fail ourselves to underestimate the importance of exercising our minds and being renewed and transformed in the way that we think. One writer said it like this, said, in connection with what we might call the practical matters of our day-to-day -day lives, there is no closer link than the patterns of thought in which we follow. How we think is, is inextricably linked to how we live our lives. And so we do well to take a long and hard look at how we think, at what is ultimately shaping our thoughts in all the different areas of our lives, and, and that's key, all the different areas of our lives. That's the point of this series. We want to take a look at, at different areas of our lives and make sure that the way that we're thinking aligns with the will of God. God calls us to have a, a comprehensive approach to life, to put Him first in everything, to, to let His Spirit guide us, and yet we so often compartmentalize, don't we? 
You know, we, we maybe we give one area of our lives to God and, and to our, our Christian thinking and then leave other areas completely undone. We might think biblically about who God is and what our purpose is in life and then when it comes to current events, we, we leave all that by the wayside. We might be thinking biblically about the church and then neglect to think biblically about our families. We might be thinking biblically about our spiritual growth and then altogether forget to think biblically about our emotions. There are so many different areas of our lives that God wants to bring his truth to bear upon. And we all, we all have room to grow. We all have room to grow. Look down, I want you to look down at your chair this morning and, and, and tell the person sitting in that chair, I have room to grow in learning to think biblically. This is why the Apostle Paul charges the church. We're going to see this in his word this morning. This is why he charges the church to be transformed by the renewal of the mind. We're going to see that the battle for a godly life is first waged in the mind. God's word is going to tell us to give ourselves fully and completely to him. To not allow ourselves to be shaped by the world around us, but to be ever-growing in our thought patterns and continually transformed in our lives. Look together with me as we focus on, on one verse this morning, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. We don't do this often, but I'm going to invite you to read out loud along with me as we look to God's word this morning. Would you do that? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's what we're going to look at to launch our new series this morning. Paul tells us, by the Spirit of God, be transformed. Be transformed. And in order to do this, we need to understand the antithesis of transformation, the avenue of transformation, and the aim of transformation. So first, let's look at the antithesis of transformation, the opposite of transformation, the enemy of spiritual transformation. First part of our verse this morning says this, do not be conformed to this world. And maybe if you're looking at a different translation, it might say do not be transformed or sorry, do not be conformed to this age. That that word here world can be can be translated age and is elsewhere in our Bibles. The scriptures speak often of this idea of the ages. Often the scriptures teach of the age that is to come. The age in which righteousness dwells. The age in which there will be no more sin. The age in which we will, if we are in Christ Jesus, spend eternity praising Him. The Bible has much to say about the age that is to come, but it has just as much to say about the current age in which we now live. And the Apostle Paul, in another letter to another church, or a group of churches in, in Galatia, has this to tell us in a very succinct way about the present age in which we live. He says, Jesus Christ came into the world to deliver us from this present, get this, evil age. That is what the Scriptures have to say about the world, the age in which we live. It is marked by unrighteousness. 
The Apostle John says that all that is in this world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And this world is passing away, he says, along with its desires. The spirit of this world, the spirit of this age is at war with the God that we serve, is at war with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And the devil himself, no doubt, plays a big part in this. The scriptures say that, that Satan is the God of this world. It says that the whole world lies in his power. Other, in another place it says that he prowls around this world like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The world in which we find ourselves is defiantly opposed to God's ways. And we're born conforming to it. We're born into this world conforming to the ways of the world. Flip back with me. Leave your marker there in Romans 12. Just go to Romans chapter 3. Paul has spent the first part of this letter just demonstrating and and showing how the whole world lives in in a state of, of sin and need of forgiveness before God. In Romans chapter 3 and and verse 9, he he says, if you look maybe about halfway in, he says, For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. And and Greeks here, he means everybody that's not a Jew. It's it's not a matter of, okay, I'm, I'm not Jewish, I'm not Greek, so I'm good. That's not what he's saying. He's proving a point here that all the world is under sin. As it is written, he says in verse 10, None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. The whole world lies guilty before Almighty God. We are born conforming to sin. We, we are born self-worshippers, enslaved to sin. And yet when we come to Christ, when we come to Christ for, for pardon, He sets us free. He transforms us. He makes us new. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. In Ephesians chapter 2, I'll, just, I'll read it for you. In, in verse 1 it says, You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And this is through faith. 
in Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross. If you've been delivered in Jesus Christ, then He tells you, just as He told His disciples in the upper room, you are no longer of this world. You've been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of His beloved Son. Does this describe you this morning? Have you recognized your need for a Savior and placed your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you turned from your sin? Have you confessed to the Lord that that you know you need His cleansing forgiveness in order to be right with Him, in order to have a relationship with Him? See, this is the initial transformation that everyone on this earth needs. We're going to go on to talk about Transformation within the Christian life this morning, but we have to stop first and say, have you been transformed through conversion? Have you been transformed by being made alive in Christ Jesus? Have you recognized that all that this world has to offer just falls short? All that this world has to offer leaves us wanting. Have you searched the world and and found that It is without hope, without true and lasting joy, without an answer for for the purpose for why you live this life and, and what's going to happen in the life to come. I need to encourage you first this morning to put your faith in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins and and to find the joy that, that transcends anything that this world has to offer. This world doesn't satisfy. And so the the Christian message, the message of God's word is leave it all behind. Just just take it, Lord. Take it away. There is nothing worth holding on to. I just need to follow Jesus Christ. May that be your heart this morning. Would you come to him? Would you come and find the love of God in Christ? Maybe you've been looking for love in this world. Maybe you've been looking for Love from other people. Maybe you've been looking for fame, for for fortune. Maybe you've been looking to find something that will just get you through to another day. Be transformed, friend, by coming to Christ. And you will know true and lasting joy through the pardon of your sin. For those who have come to Christ, the old man still pulls and tugs at us and wages war in our souls. Do you feel that this morning? Paul did. Look with me at Romans chapter 7. In Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul in verse 19 says, I I do not do the good that I want to do. But evil, the evil that I don't want to do is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it's it's no longer I who do it. It's the sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Christ Jesus, 
our Lord Jesus delivers us from this body of sin. We're, we're tugged. We, we are um, putting to death the old man and yet he, he keeps coming back and, and, and in the flesh saying, come, come back to me. Come back to the world. Sometimes it's obvious and sometimes it's very subtle. We're more worldly than we think sometimes or, or maybe want to admit and so the elders hope for this series is that we as a church would recognize where the world is trying to conform us to itself and that we would be transformed by the renewal of our mind. This word conformed just brings to our minds this idea of being molded, being, being shaped, being influenced by some external force to, to think and to behave in a certain way. And Paul gives us this command to, to not be conformed, a negative command, do not be conformed to this world. Do not allow yourself to be acted upon by this world. Do not allow yourself to be taken hold of and held captive in any area of your life. This world is opposed to the things of God. Are you aware of where you might be being conformed to this world? As you look at your own life, as you look at your own thought patterns, are you aware of, of where you might be prone to be pulled back into the thinking and the ways of the world? Sin is the essence here. We're not talking about um, things in the world like fishing or, or Scrabble. We're, we're not talking about God's sweet creation that he's given us to enjoy. We're talking rather about the evil thought system that perpetuates sin. Things that may be part of the acceptable standard of life in a given community in which we live may be radically alien to the things of God. We need to remember that. And for some, this might be blatant sin. The things of the world that you might be living in might be sexual immorality, might be idolatry, might be greed or hatred or even drunkenness. If this is you this morning and this is a pattern in your life, then I also need to encourage you. Maybe you're more of the world than you realize. Maybe you, you, you're naming the name of Christ and yet you haven't forsaken your sin. Maybe you too need to come to Him once and for all and be transformed in the first place. But other things of this world that can also influence us could be more subtle. That They can creep in in a hidden way. Maybe it's how we choose to spend our time. Maybe it's what you think God is like. Maybe it's how you view your own spiritual maturity. Maybe it's what you pray for. Maybe it's in how you go about living your life in a way that you've been influenced to do so by, by those in your upbringing. Maybe your parents or, or those who, who taught you or, or had a, a profound influence on your life. Maybe they seemed good and well and yet if you really stop and examine if it lines up with the Word of God, the will of God, you might see that there's room for growth, room for some change, room for some transformation. Thinking biblically, friends, is hard work. But it's a work we must do to honor the Lord, to obey Him. We must fight, listen, 
by the Spirit's help, that's key, by the Spirit's help, to not be conformed to this world. We must put off the things of this world. Now, God doesn't just tell us what to put off. He tells us what to put on instead. The next word in this verse is but. Do not be conformed to this world, but rather instead be transformed by the renewal of your mind. This is the next point. If you're taking notes, write this down. The avenue of transformation. The avenue of transformation is through a renewal of our minds. There's a contrast here. God wants us to replace conformity to the world with being transformed by the renewal of our minds. And, and the word that Paul uses here for transformed is, is metamorpho. It's where we get our English word metamorphosis. Right? This talks about a change, an, an alteration from one state to another. It, it describes when, when something that wasn't there before now comes into being. And this metamorpho, this, this, this transformation, this metamorphosis can take place in the outward appearance. You know, think of a, a slab of marble that, that becomes a beautiful statue. This is the way in which Matthew and Mark in their Gospels describe Christ's transfiguration on the holy mountain. Matthew describes for us that Jesus was up on the mountain and he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. There was a great change in his physical appearance. What wasn't there before all of a sudden came into view. The other way that this, this word transformation is used is, is in an inward change. That's the sense in which we're looking here in our text this morning. The inward change within our mind. And Paul, he commands us to be transformed. And I want to take a closer look at this, this command, this verb here, in, in three different areas. Note three characteristics of this verb transform. First, that it's present. It's in the present tense. And, and what that means is not that it's just happening right now, but that it's to be continuous. It's to keep on happening as a pattern of our lives. Really, we could translate this and, and be accurate if we wanted. Be continuously transformed. Keep on being transformed is the idea here. This is a lifelong endeavor. It never stops. We all need this throughout our entire lives until we attain heavenly glory in the presence of Jesus Christ. Our minds need continual changing, continual growing, continual cultivating to align our thoughts with the will of God. Second, note that this is a passive command. This is a passive command. That, that means that this must be done to us rather than by us. It's interesting, right? Because it's a command and we think, well, how can we be commanded to have something done to us. Well, this isn't a foreign idea to the Word of God. We think of um, be strengthened in the strength of His might. It's His strength. He gives it to us and yet we're commanded to tap in, right? To lay hold of. 
to submit and yield in the Spirit, to allow God to have His work in our lives. That's, that's what we're commanded here, to be transformed. It doesn't say to transform yourself. This is God's doing. We must wholly submit to His work within us as we gaze upon the glory of His Son, Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians Chapter 3, verse 18 says this, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is primarily God's work in us. And thirdly, we've use this word already, it's a command. It's an imperative. While God does this work in our hearts, we still have a responsible part to play. We're commanded to be transformed. Through His Spirit, God wants to reprogram my thinking. But I must respond to the Spirit's work and actively engage in the process if it's going to happen. This is what one theologian that I read recently calls a mysterious collaboration. Is that, is, is that helpful for you? It was, it was so helpful for me to, to just think through how sanctification, God's work in our hearts in growing us, is a mysterious collaboration. God plays a part, and yet we play a part. And we can't quite um, define down, down to a, a, a fine minutia exactly what that looks like. We just know this. We know that if we sit back and do nothing and ask God to transform us, that nothing's going to happen. We know that from the Word of God. And yet we also know that apart from Him, if, as, as hard as we try, no matter what we do, if we are trying to transform ourselves apart from asking Him to do it, we're also going to get nowhere. It's a mysterious transformation, a mysterious collaboration whereby God works in us as we yield and, and submit to Him and obey His commands. He's intent on renewing our minds. He's intent on building in us new defaults, new uh, approaches to life situations, new thought processes. He's intent on growing the inner man so that it will have an effect on not only the inner man, but also on the outward man. God wants us to think and live in a manner that is pleasing to Him. We all need this. No one is excluded. Whether you're the newest believer in the room or, or whether you are the, the most mature believer on the face of this planet, everybody in between needs to learn to think biblically. Listen, I'll tell you this morning, I'm learning to think biblically. God is growing me. God is teaching me. God is aligning um, my thoughts to, to His will. I'm learning to think biblically of, about being a humble follower of Christ. I'm, I'm learning to think biblically about uh, submitting my life to, to, to following the Lord and being a man of God in, in many different respects. I'm, I'm learning to think biblically about being a loving husband. I'm, I'm learning to think biblically about being a wise father. I'm learning to think 
biblically about being a faithful pastor. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning. I need God to teach me. I've not arrived yet. We can be so blind to our own blindness. And so the goal of this series is to equip us to live the Christian life and to think biblically so that through our being transformed, we will learn to think and live in all the different aspects of our lives for His glory, for His praise in a manner that aligns and accords with His will. He wants to renew our minds for this purpose. Finally, I want to look at the aim, the aim of our transformation. The aim of our transformation. This is a fairly simple verse to outline. If you're looking at this verse and it's, and it's, I think, three parts, here's what we see. Don't do this, do this, and here's why. And now we get to the here's why part, the so that Right? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Why? So that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. God tells us why He wants to renew our minds. He wants to renew our minds for the result, for the, for the reason that we would recognize His will in our lives. He wants us, God, do you realize this, beloved? God wants us to think like God. That's what he wants for us. He wants us to think like him. Whether it's in our singleness or in our dating, whether it's in our marriage or, or in divorce, whether it's in raising kids or in looking at our parents, whether it's in education or in retirement, whether it's in our jobs or in our unemployment, whether it's with our finances or our entertainment, our fashion or our sexuality, our joylessness, our loneliness, our thanklessness, our unforgiveness, our anger, our fear, our addictions, our idolatry, our ambitions, our suffering, our leadership, our servanthood, our church, our God, our Savior, ourselves. And many more we could add to this list. God doesn't want us to leave any area of our lives outside of His will. He wants us to conform to Him, to be transformed by the renewal of our minds in all areas of life. Where worldly thinking remains, there is much room to grow. There's nothing out of bounds. God wants us to be renewed in our minds in all things. And far too often, we look at maybe areas in our life that God may be convicting us of, or, or maybe others, by God's grace, are, are trying to draw to our attention. And, and we say, I can't do that. That would be too hard. That, that would mean to continue suffering. That that's going to cost me too much. I have too much money to lose if I do that. It's going to cost me too much time. I'm going to look too lowly if I submit to God's will in this or that area of my life. 
And yet we need to cry out like the old hymn, May the mind of Christ my Savior live in me from day to day by his love and power controlling all I do and say. We need to be transformed. We need to invite the Lord to transform us so that we can, by testing, discern what his good and acceptable and perfect will is? How does this testing, how does this discerning of the will of God happen? Well, first, let me encourage you to ask the Lord to reveal His will to you by searching His Word. By searching His Word. It's been said that this book should be the lens through which we see all of life. Every conversation, every hour that we spend on this planet, everywhere we go, every decision we make, this word needs to be our our filter through which we discern, is this what God would have for me to do, to think, to say? John MacArthur says this, the transformed and renewed mind is the mind that is saturated with and controlled by the Word of God. We cannot separate a renewed mind from the Word of God that He has given to us to reveal Himself to us. You know, I was preparing this week and I looked over and I saw, uh, in, I've got a st- how many of you have a stack of books that you're hoping to read? <laughs> right? So yeah, in my stack there's this book, it's called Seeing with New Eyes. And it just caught my eye and I thought, like how appropriate Right? And it is talking about what we're talking about this morning. Seeing with new eyes. God wants us to see with new eyes. And yet we, we really um, are so often prone to see with old eyes. Right? And in order to see with new eyes, we need to see through the lens of God's word. Next, we need to ask the Lord by praying to him. By praying to Him and asking that He would reveal to us where our thinking, where our lives are still being conformed to this world. And then in prayer we need to confess and, and yield ourselves to Him for change. We need to ask Him to do His transforming work by His Spirit in us. I love what Pastor Ian said last week. Some of us, we just don't need to pray about it. When God shows us by the truth of His Word what we need to do, what we need to think, then we don't need to pray about it anymore. It's clear. I mean, Maybe we need to pray that He would give us a strength to obey, but, but there's no lack of clarity. Well, what should I do here? What should I think when God has told us plainly? So we need to search the Scriptures. We need to pray. And thirdly, we need to listen to other believers. God wants to reveal His Word to us. He wants to reveal His will. He wants to show us what is good and perfect and acceptable in His sight through our brothers and sisters that He has designed to speak into our lives. Not by opinion. Right? You, you go to others and, and you ask and invite them to speak into your life and then you say to them, can you, can you teach me? Can you, can you see something I'm not seeing? Can you help me to better understand God's will for how I should be thinking about what's going on in my life by pointing me somewhere in the Word of God? Don't stop short of that. Okay, but don't, don't do less than that either. Don't, 
don't act as though God hasn't designed in his providence to, to use one another in each other's lives to bring the word of God to bear on us. To call each other. We, we, we are told in Hebrews chapter 3 to exhort one another daily. To come alongside of each other and say, brother, sister, I, I don't think you're thinking clearly. I think you need to have a renewed mind about this. And may we just be humble to receive that. May we be humble as well in how we give that. But this is part of God's design means for transforming us, for revealing his will to us. It's through the scriptures, it's through prayer, and it's through his people. That God is going to, to come alongside of us and if we will submit, if we will yield to him, he will transform us for our good and for his glory. Godly living is always preceded by godly thinking. That's what I, I want you to take away this morning. If you want to, if you say that you want to engage in what is good and acceptable and perfect in God's sight, then you must be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now we kind of um, just dove in to chapter 12 and verse 2 this morning. And, and you know that probably typically I wouldn't normally just start in the middle of a, a chapter, in the middle of a verse without giving some context. But I purposely wanted to save until the end here in conclusion. Um, just to show you how Paul gets to this point in his letter to the Roman church. See, he began way back in chapter 1, as we've already seen by looking at uh, chapter 3 this morning, by, by just calling us to the recognition that we are all sinners in need of a Savior. There's nothing we could do to earn our own righteous standing before the Lord. Jesus had to come and He had to give His life to pay the ransom price for our sins. He had to hang on that cross. He had to absorb the full cup of God's wrath for sin if we were going to be forgiven. He had to be buried and, and then raised again for our justification. And so in Romans chapter 3, after Paul says that there's no one who does good, there's, there's no one who can stand before the Lord and, and say, I've, I've arrived, I'm here, um, I, I'm ready to come into your presence based on my own merit, says he sent his son. That through faith in him, all who place their trust in his finished work would be saved. This is the grace of God. This is the grace of God. And, and Paul goes on to say, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And He has sent His Spirit to live within those who have trusted in Christ that we might live this Christian life by the power of, of His Spirit within and this is available to everyone in the whole entire world. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. And then the Jews say, well, wait, what, about, what does that mean for us? And he says, don't worry, God has not forgotten about you in offering salvation to the ends of the earth. And then in chapter 11, at the end of just this long doctrinal discourse, Paul turns and he says, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. 
how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And thus ends what we see as the first division in Paul's letter to the Romans. And now he picks up in chapter 12 to address his readers. And in light of all that's come before in this glorious letter, he says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, everything we've just looked at, by his awesome Grace and mercy, I appeal to you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This is what he says. I urge you to present your whole life to God. I exhort you. I exhort you to present your entire lives, your whole being, all of you, your body and your mind, the things seen and the things unseen to God as an act of worship, as a sacrifice of worship to Him. No longer do we offer the blood of bulls and goats. But because His Son has offered His blood on our behalf, we now offer to Him our very lives in worship. This is what Paul says in verse 1 and then in verse 2 flowing right out of that, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. See, he's telling us how to worship. He's telling us what we need to do to get ourselves in order to to offer our whole lives to God. He says, be renewed in your mind so that by testing you could discern the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Then you will be in a place where you can make an offering of your whole life to the Lord. I hope that this encourages you this morning. I hope this excites uh, within your heart just just an anticipation for where we might go in this series of, of how we can be looking and I'll encourage you even now to be praying about where God might be wanting to transform your mind to, to take you away from the thinking of this world and, and bring you into conformity, into transformity into the the things of His will as revealed in His Word. Be transformed. That's what we desire. Amen.